Welcome to the Hunt Back Country podcast. This is episode number 389. So picture the scenario. You go out on a solo hunt. This isn't a crazy remote grand Alaskan adventure. You're in your home state. You're in country that you've been in before. Not all that remote. Doesn't seem all that dangerous. But you're hiking along in a quick misstep. Your boot catches a rock, you fall, and you realize you're immobile. You've completely broken your foot or your ankle or your leg. What now? That's similar to what happened with our guest today, Kyle, and he ended up having to use his Garmin inReach to hit SOS and ultimately was rescued by helicopter. And it's a story from one of you guys, a listener of the show that was unexpected. Again, this wasn't a crazy remote grand adventure. Yes, it was a solo hunt and it was a backcountry hunt and there's always some risks, but sometimes things happen when you don't expect it. And that's kind of a big takeaway from this story today with Kyle. So I'm excited to have you guys tune in, not only to hear the story, to hear about Kyle's follow-up and recovery and the redemption, but just to hear a really practical example of someone like you who went on a hunt and ended up needing to use their Garmin and reach to get rescued. It's not the first time this has happened. This isn't the first story we've told of a listener who had hit SOS. So not to add extra drama to a situation, but this can happen to you. It can happen to me. And this podcast and stories like this, I think are helpful for us to hear, to learn from, and to honestly be prepared by. So appreciate you guys tuning in. Let's dive right into this conversation with Kyle. Kyle, welcome to the podcast, man. I'm excited to chat with you. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me. Uh, You had reached out actually with some questions and then also kind of mentioned that you had a pretty unique experience um, on a hunt solo where you had to get to a rescue. And I'm excited to hear about that. I mean, it's like (laughs) unfortunate, but like worth sharing um, Mm -hmm. experiences. But before we do get to that, man, just like any personal introduction or background just to let listeners have some context for like who you are, where you're coming from. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so my name is Kyle Branch. Uh, I was born and raised in Washington state. Um, that's where I, I live currently. Um, I wasn't huge into hunting and fishing growing up. Uh, I was mostly sports, played a lot of soccer, ran cross country and track. Uh, I was most of my life was, uh, you know, doing running cross country and track and playing soccer. I ended up running cross country and track for Gonzaga University uh, out of Spokane, Washington. So I did that for a really long time. Uh, and then when I got done with that, uh, I kind of had all this, you know, restless energy and uh, found my passion in the outdoors and, you know, been uh, sunk into hunting and fishing ever since. That's awesome, man. When, so I guess it, so in 2020 is when this event happened, when uh, you had this accident on this hunt and had to hit SOS, which we'll talk about. But at that point in time, how much experience did you have, like kind of hunting, being in the mountains, being in the backcountry, et cetera? Was this fairly new in that journey for you? Um, I wouldn't say so. So during the, the running uh, part of my life, uh, we would spend, you know, two, three times a week out and on the trails. Uh, we spent a lot of time just trail running cause I don't know if you've ever run around town, but it is, you know, it can get boring doing the same thing all the time. Uh, so, you know, oftentimes, and then I guess I should back up and mention like when we were running, we were running like 80 to hundred miles a week. Uh, and so, you know, we're doing, going out for long runs, uh, and, you know, being 10 miles back with nothing but our shoes and shirt and shorts on, you know, is pretty common. Um, and all the trails around Spokane, around, uh, the Issaquah area where I grew up kind of was, uh, what we did. So I've spent a lot of time, uh, like in the woods, not necessarily like camping, uh, but just like running around in the mountains, uh, 
nothing nothing super new there um but as far as like hunting and the backpacking aspect of that that's all within the last seven years i guess so yeah i've been hunting that for about seven years i guess now okay so you, from a hunting and backpacking perspective aside from the trail running as of the time of this event we'll talk about you probably had four to five years like of experience already yep happy dude that's crazy running 80 to 100 miles a week that's some serious volume <laughs> yeah it's uh it's a, uh, it was, it was a thing, you know, it was, uh, it was, uh, a lot, a lot on the body. Um, but you know, it was what you had to do, uh, in order to stay in shape back then. So now I'm curious with doing a lot of trail running, have you ever had like an injury or accident just with that? Or have you always managed to like avoid that? Cause I know for me, I do quite a bit of trail running and, mm-hmm. You know, trail. When we say trail, obviously there's a lot of different stuff. Some are pretty smooth and flowy. Some are like the trail I run most is actually incredibly rocky, so it's really easy to have a misstep. And I can't tell you how many times you have, like, I've had I've tripped on a rock mm-hmm. and had that moment where, on one hand, on one hand it happens really fast, and on the other hand, it's like you pause in the air, you know, and <laughs> yeah. your body's like flying through the air and you feel like you're just going to completely lay yourself out and fall. But then somehow your body like adapts and like reacts and you get your feet back under you. Mm-hmm. And then somehow you don't face plant and it happens slow, but then it happened fast and you get done and you're like, how did I not just kill myself right there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I've definitely experienced that where it's like, you know, you're headed for a certain doom and then somehow your body saves you. Um, luckily I personally have never had any, uh, serious accidents. I had some teammates, um, I had one teammate like break his wrist, another bad, bad ankle rolls, that kind of thing, tripping over roots and rocks, uh, where we had to kind of, you know, carry, carry people out. But, uh, I personally know never, never, I, I was lucky, luckily, <laughs> maybe I wore my luck a little too thin, I guess. <laughs> so we're doing all these trail miles, never had an accident, but let's dive into the story. You go on a solo hunt Mm -hmm. and skipping ahead you trip you break your ankle Mm -hmm. how far into the hunt were you at that point like days wise was this just a day hunt was it a multi-day hunt so it was a multi-day hunt so in washington we get about uh, 10 days for the rifle season in october um and this was got into the country on uh, well, a different section of the country. I just moved a few days ago. Anyways, I think it was day six. Yeah, it was day six. Uh, it was a Thursday. So I'd been in, in for a little bit. Um, and like you said, I was I saw what I thought was a buck. Uh, it was a deer kind of bedded under a tree. And I was trying to get closer to it. Um, and I, so I was walking kind of this knife ridge uh and i was wearing some heavier boots um and the outside of my left boot caught a rock and it i just like collapsed on the ground like just i'm not like i wouldn't say i'm a clumsy person you know it just kind of like i was like what that like what just happened that was so strange uh and when i tried to stand up um my left foot was like like jello like in my boot it was kind of gross and extremely painful at that point but um yeah uh i remember just like looking up at the sky and just being like like come on really like yeah. uh, and i remember uh, i grabbed my inreach out of my uh, backpack and i'm sitting there staring at it knowing what i have to do <laughs> um and I just remember like you, I have the old Delorum. So you got a, there's an unlock button, like a mechanical unlock. And then mm-hmm. you hit the SOS. And I remember I, I clicked over that uh, mechanical lock 
uh and i just was like i just like said i was sorry to, i'm like i'm so sorry and then just hit the sos button <laughs> like because i knew my wife was gonna kill me <laughs> yeah like if if i was gonna get off that mountain you know i wasn't gonna be safe but luckily luckily she didn't but had she expressed much concern or like hesitation about you going out especially solo and doing these trips before yeah yeah she uh prefers uh her and my uh family kind of prefer uh when i go with people uh i don't have like like i said i didn't grow up necessarily hunting um so i don't have like a huge i i would say almost i grew up in an anti hunting family uh in a not huge way, but you know, just a little bit. And, uh, so I don't have a lot of friends or family to go with. Uh, and, uh, the, f- if I do have some friends, they usually sometimes struggle to keep up with me and say that, you know, we don't need to go that far. Uh, so your friends are like, Hey, I don't run 80 miles a week. We just chill out <laughs> a little bit, Kyle. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of, kind of what happens. Um, so, yeah, that's they. My both my wife and my family are always uh, very concerned about uh, about me being out there. And they're, you know, when once I got the inreach, they they you know check in usually two to three times a day just to make sure you know I'm doing okay. Uh, and now it's a little bit more. But <laughs> <laughs> had you, so you have you know, roughly, like I said, four to five years of backpacking hunting experience. Had you had an in-reach or DeLorme that whole time? Um, I think my second year, uh, I purchased the in-reach, uh, when I, um, after that first initial, uh, you know, first time going hunting and, you know, I you know, was like, I'm going backpacking and, mm-hmm. you know, I've kind of, uh, I think it was actually, we, I had listened to a podcast, uh, you, this podcast, uh, and you and Steve had been talking about, uh, or Steve had mentioned, you know, like how it was like no nonsense to have it. Like you need, like what's your life worth, right? You know, it's a, um, $300 piece of equipment, um, that can save your life. Uh, and I, that just kind of, I was like, well, if I'm going to be by myself, you know, I'd rather be safe than sorry. Uh, and so I think, yeah, it was after that second year that I got it. And, you know, I, I, I still use it uh, every day and I, I take it uh, on all trips now, like even day trips. So, yeah, I don't remember. I mean, we've, you know, we've been doing the podcast seven, almost eight years now. And we've mm-hmm. told a few listener stories by SOS. And so my my details get foggy because some of the conversations are older and some of them run together. But mm-hmm. I know for a fact that I think maybe the first listener story did where the guy had to hit SOS on an inReach. It was exactly what you said. It was just a day trip. Mm-hmm. And so, and he wasn't that far necessarily from home, wasn't that remote, but you just get into places where you don't have cell service, where you potentially mm-hmm. aren't going to have other people around you that could help, right? Like it's not a yep. traffic trail or you're getting off trail just enough, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot of scenarios where you may overlook the need for one, you know, and the big ones come to mind, like I'm going backpacking for 10 days, you know, solo. Then it's like, yeah, and then reach clearly makes a ton of sense. And honestly, you're, it's too much of a risk to not have one. But as you said, like even the shorter stuff sometimes is worth just throwing that sucker in there. Yeah. Yeah. I think the the story that you're referring to, it actually happened in, I think if my memory serves, it was in Washington and he was just out bird hunting. That's uh, right. And he, and he hurt familiar. his knee. Um, I heard that story and I, I, I don't know if I knew exactly where he was, but when he was, I think I remember him describing the area and I was like, I've definitely been there back there. Uh, and I've definitely, you know, been around that, that stuff. And so that just was like, well, you know, maybe, uh, maybe it's worth it to, to buy this thing. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, I think, uh, Steve's said it best. He was like, what's, what's your life worth? You know? Um, so it's definitely worth it to have it even for the shorter trips. 
Well, if you guys don't have an in reach, use the code Hunt Back Country non destructive <laughs> sort of deal. <laughs> um, the what you may have said this. What time of day was this when this happened? So I hurt. Uh, I I went back and I looked at the um, the messages uh, prior to this uh, uh, us meeting, and I it was at twelve. 20 that I hit that in reach button. Uh, so it was just dead middle of the afternoon. Mm-hmm. I don't want to like armchair quarterback or like over sensationalize or add a bunch of made up drama, but mm-hmm. what based on where you were at and your injury, mm-hmm. what do you think would have happened or like would have been an option if you didn't have the in reach? I'm just curious, like how would you have assessed that now looking back? If I didn't have the inreach, man, yeah. um, well, we'll get to what potentially could have happened, I guess. Um, and I, I guess, well, I'll just, I'll say it now, but the, the, it's funny. I, my wife had, was driving to pick me up and met with like the head of search and rescue and they had the previous week, a guy broke his leg, um, in a, not as remote as I was, he was still on a trail. Um, but it took them, he just had a phone. Uh, and he, when you, when you call 911, even if you have just like one bar of service, it's, it's apparently like amplified. Um, so like a normal call, it's like one times whatever your service is, but a 911 call is like amplified like six times your service or whatever. Uh, so usually you can get a call out if you call 911 um, and they, he was on a trail uh, and it took them, I think six hours to find him um, based on what he was saying and the the location that he was in. Uh, and they were like, I guess, flying a helicopter around a long time to find him uh, with my situation. If I had just had a phone call uh, and called out, uh, it would have taken them. So I hit the button at 1220 and the uh, helicopter got to me around 220-ish. It was about two hours. Um, and then I was in the ER uh, by four. Uh, when I got to the ER, I know I'm kind of jumping ahead here, um, but uh, when I got to the ER uh, and you know they're assessing me and all this stuff, um, and this is like, you know, peak COVID. <laughs> so I was like in just, a you know, uh, in a room with like three other people, uh, in the ER and, uh, they, you know, put the IV in me, um, did all that stuff. And they were trying to, they had to cut my boot off. Um, the lady tried, the nurse tried to like pull my boot off and just kind of like yanked my foot away from my body which was a, a fun experience without uh, any painkillers. Um, I told her just cut the boot off. Uh, and then after she got the boot off, she was trying to find a pulse uh, and she couldn't find a pulse in, uh, in my foot. So basically the way that um, the break happened and the swelling and the boot com- like all combined together had cut off circulation to my foot and uh I remember I'm like sitting there waiting to get put into this main room where the ER doctor is going to work on me. And these two nurses are like, uh, two guys are, are, are fighting. Basically the guy's like trying to get me in the room. They're like, no, like we have to put someone else in the room. And the guy finally goes, uh, if this kid doesn't get in this room, he's going to lose his foot. And I was like, what, (laughs) you know, like, what do you mean? I'm going to lose my foot. Uh, And he's like, oh no, don't worry. I just said that. Um, But I talked to the doctor (laughs) afterwards and the doctor was like, yeah, like if you, it had taken you much longer to get in here, you might've lost your foot, Um, which would be a drastically uh, different story than what we're talking about right now. Yeah. Crazy, man. So I just looked back at, uh, you and I, when we first exchanged emails and I'm going to read like one thing that you said in there that relates mm-hmm. to the story. And, and you said, 
in one of your podcasts where someone talked through what happens when you hit the SOS and knowing that information, it helped keep me calm because I knew what was going to happen. Yeah. The folks that answer the Garmin SOS were extremely helpful and very responsive, which helped as well. Mm -hmm. So just to back up, like you, as you said, like flip the switch, hit SOS. Mm -hmm. What, what, like, yeah, just take me there. Right. So here in this email, you're saying like you had a little bit of an idea of what was going to happen and that Mm -hmm. was comforting. So I'm curious about that as well as how things did progress like what did you hear back when did you hear back and how did that process go yeah for sure so uh like i said i hit that sos um and uh right away like garmin uh reached out to or the not garmin but the the folks that run the um i don't i don't know call call center center, yeah yeah uh they reached out to me and like, what is the nature of your emergency? And it was like the speed at which it happened was almost surprising. Like, I was like, Whoa, okay. Yeah, here we go. Um, and at the same time, they also reached out to my emergency contacts, um, which was my mother and my wife. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they were far they, more worried about that than any broken ankle or anything. I'm sure oh yeah, I was 100% not going to message them until I got saved safely out of where I was. Um, and they both messaged me right away. What's going on? You know, cause all Garmin tells them is that there's been an emergency, uh, beacon signal from, uh, this purse from Kyle branches in reach. And I saw the message from my mom and I was like, Oh man, this is going to be a tough one to explain. And same for my wife. But anyways, the, um, after I hit it and I told them what happened, uh, I remember from your podcast, uh, there was a podcast that you did um, where someone had been hurt and they sent out a, a helicopter to help them and the helicopter needed so much space to land. Uh, and where I was, I was like, like where I'd broken my ankle, I was like, oh, like there's like, I'm on a knife ridge. There's a burn behind me and kind of, you know, thick forest in front of me. Uh, The only really flat place and open place is kind of where my camp is. Um, And so I, I told the Garmin inReach folks what had happened. I was like, I broke my ankle or I, I said I broke my foot because I, I didn't know it was my ankle at that point. I said it wasn't a compound fracture. Uh, everything was still inside my skin. Um, they messaged me back and were like, message received, uh, notified emergency services, uh, like, you know, uh, they they basically were like, is there anything you need from us? Uh, I was like, no, just, you know, I need help. And they continually, they always were like message received. And then they would send like another response message. Um, they got me in contact with the search and rescue folks. Um, and what had happened? My, the search and rescue folks called my wife to come get me at the search and rescue depot. Um, and the search and rescue guys were like, um, are you sure it's broken? Um, and I remember I, I messaged him back, like it's broken, broken. Like I cannot walk (laughs) and they're like, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll, you know, they, they, where I was, I was far enough off a trail and far enough away from a, easily accessible trailhead that they were like, we're going to fly out and get you. And I was like, okay, uh, what do you need from me? Uh, And I knew they had to find, you know, someplace to land. And I figured, you know, like I said, the flat spot was where I was camping. Uh, And I said, they said, uh, what's the weather like? And is there a flat spot that we can land a helicopter? And I sent them the coordinates of like a GPS coordinates of uh, my camp. And I was like, this is a flat spot. I think you could land here. Um, And uh, the weather's sunny, no wind. They're like, okay, we just left. We'll be there 
in uh, you know uh, whenever it's a black helicopter uh, like there would be another helicopter <laughs> right, flying yeah. around it's like know? when you do an uber and they're like make sure you get in the right vehicle check the license plate you want to make sure you get in the right helicopter out here yeah yeah that's uh kind of what crossed my mind i was like well no crap you know it's gonna be a <laughs> A helicopter flying relatively close to the ground, probably looking for me. Um, uh, and so I got up to, to my camp. Um, so what did that look like getting up to your camp? Like how mobile were you? Uh, I basically just crawled, you know, tried yeah. to use my, uh, my gun, my uh, scope has a nice big dent in it from when I fell that I still has that just reminds me of that moment. And I kind of just use my gun to, you know, to support my left side a little bit. Um, and then kind of crawled my way up to, to camp. Um, and then I, as it was like, just as I got up to camp, I heard the helicopter coming and in Washington, you're required to wear, you know, blaze orange, all that good stuff. So I had my blaze orange vest off at that point. Uh, they, they like crested the ridge, like some kind of crazy, you know, action movie, <laughs> like just super close to the ground and just came flying right at me. Uh, and I'm, you know, waving my uh, orange vest around. They waved, acknowledged that they saw me uh, and are just flying around looking for a spot to land. Uh, there wasn't one. Um, they kind of landed in this upper section that was the guy, the basically the guy like jumped out of the helicopter, probably a couple feet off the ground and came down to get me. Uh, and he like walked up to me or I, I didn't know that he had jumped out of the, the, the helicopter. I just saw the helicopter like flying away and they messaged me like as they're flying away or I received the message that, uh, you know, looking for a spot to land. And so I was like, oh man, they're going to have to, you know, go somewhere else and then carry me back to the helicopter or something. Um, the, but and then all of a sudden this guy just appeared out of nowhere uh, and he's, you know, introduced himself like I'm with search and rescue. I was like, Oh, nice. Okay. You're able to, to get out. That's, that's good. Uh, relatively close. And, you know, explained like, I'm here to help you. He's going to go to just hold off until we can find a place to land. And we're going to get you in the helicopter and get you out of here. I said, okay, sweet. Um, and he said, all right, let's take a look at that ankle, you know, uh, or take a look at that foot. And, uh, I was kind of facing away from him and I kind of scooted around, uh, and presented him with my foot and he was like, Oh yeah, that's broken. Like just, <laughs> just, and I was like, ah, oh, that's what I tried to say. You know, <laughs> yeah. I'm not, you know, some, you know guy I know I sprained my ankle you know come save me it was you know and he looked at it and he was like man uh that's really bad uh we're gonna try and put it back just put this splint on it uh and then and then tie it up and so he put like a I don't know a splint basically on it and uh put a a bandage around it and I remember him saying like this is really gonna hurt and then he just tightened the bandage down and straightened mm. my foot out <laughs> and I remember just being like oh god like this this sucks and uh I he's like do you have any painkillers on you <laughs> and I was like me and, no like, you know, <laughs> don't you have painkillers <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh and he uh he's like you know digging around in his bag and he's like oh, all i got is tylenol and i was like i mean i'll take it whatever and gave me four tylenol uh and you know he's walking around and he's like you know this is a crappy place to be uh, there's not a whole lot of uh space for us to to get you out of here um and he had the the guy uh, the, the pilot fly around one more time. And the pilot was like, well, if you get rid of these, there was like two 
like burned dead trees. And he's like, I think if you get rid of those, like knock them over, uh, I can, I can get the, the helicopter there and, and we can get them in the, in the helicopter. And he's like, I remember the guy like said like, you know, copy and then looked at me and he's like, I have serious doubts about this. It's <laughs> like, dude, like, come on. Uh, you know, um, but you know, he's, uh, uh, just him saying that I was like, well, you know, what's the other option right now? And he's like, well, we go get the bigger bird and we, uh, bring you up in a basket. I was like, oh, okay, mm. so there is a backup plan. Nice. Um, and so he got to work and, uh, not, he had a, like a warm flight jacket on i remember there was just sweat pouring out of the side of his face as he's like trying to knock over these two dead trees and he got them both down uh luckily and he comes up to me and he goes uh and i mean the whole time he's just kind of talking to me and he's you know saying like you know there's easier places to go hunting and you know you don't need to be back here and i remember i was like dude, like I, you know, I work a nine to five behind a desk. Like this is my adventure. And he's like, ah, I get that. Yeah. Um, got everything down, let the pilot know. Uh, and he comes over to me and explains what's going to happen. And I was like, or he, he said, uh, so what's going to happen is I'm going to put your stuff, your backpack and your gun into the bird. I'm going to put, you into it i need you to slide all the way over and then grab that headset that's going to be hanging there and you need to put it on your head i said okay uh and helicopter came and it's it's so loud like you you know you there's no talking at that point helicopter came and the guy just was got the i don't know what you call like the what are those like about the the things that the helicopter like sits on uh they're not landing gear but yeah supports i don't know supports yeah (laughs) Yeah. i know i can't can't think and uh he's just balancing basically on this knife ridge with like the tail is like hanging over this cliff behind me uh and he (laughs) i remember rose or well prior to this as the helicopter's coming i was like looked over at my camp and i was like can i grab my stuff and he just laughed he said no one's gonna touch it out here you know <laughs> like you're crazy no one else is this crazy just leave it you can come get it in the spring i was like okay you know whatever you know it was a a tent a uh, sleeping bag pad some food uh and uh uh, seek outside stove. So I was like, oh, okay, well, whatever. And cra- he, the helicopter comes, lands. He throws my bag in there, puts my gun in. Uh, I he lifted he lifted me up, <laughs> which was fun, uh, and just kind of like sets me in the thing. I scoot all the way over, put the headset on, and then he tries he has his set headset on says, does everything work? Yep. We're good. All right. He gets in. Uh, and then I, he had switched to just talking to the pilot and, uh, you know, said some things. And then we started like going up and, you know, I'm thinking we're going to go up and we're going to go forward. Uh, and we got probably like 15, 20 feet in the air. And the pilot just goes like, I don't know if you've seen like those ski movies with like the Red Bull pilots where the helicopter just kind of does like a backflip when after mm-hmm. dropping the skiers off. That's kind of what we did. We just went up and then backwards. And I thought we were dead. I was like, we're dying. Jeez. Like I got into this helicopter and, you know, we're not going to make it. And, uh, <laughs> he just, you know, we did this like backflip thing and he straightened us out and away we went. And, yeah and uh made it made it to the supply or uh search and rescue depot and while i'm flying uh so while i'm flying my wife is like driving to pick me up and my wife gets to the depot before me and the head of search and rescue is there and uh he's got like a 
my wife said he had like an iPad or some kind of computer and it had like my location and the helicopter's location because uh, the Garmin is pinging my location every two minutes at that point. So he knew like exactly where I was sitting. Mm. Um, and he, my wife said that, he said, do you know where your husband is? And she was like, yeah, yeah, I've been getting the, the Garmin in reaches messages uh and he's like is it normal for him to be like back there by himself and she i she i guess she said that i just laughed because you know i know you but he doesn't and he uh she i guess she laughed and was like yep that's completely normal and then he like thanked her or thanked her for me having an inreach and then explain the story about the guy that they took six or four hours to find when he broke his leg. And, um, she apologized, like, said, like I'm so sorry to, to make you have to go through all this. And I guess he was like, Oh my gosh, lady, we love this. Like, this is what we <laughs> live for to like, you know, no one goes into search and rescue unless they love it. Uh, and that's another thing that the guy, the the guy that picked me up had said, I had pol- apologized. And he was like, ah, I'd be sitting in a cop car right now, writing tickets. This beats the heck out of that. Yeah. So, yeah, they were super nice, super, you know, real, I guess they, they definitely. And then they were also appreciative of, uh, both, uh, they said thank you for you know having a cool head, and thank you for uh, having the inreach because it made our job a lot easier. It does sound like you're able to say pretty pretty calm, and I'm I'm sure it would have been different if you had never entertained the idea of like mm-hmm. hitting SOS or had no idea what happens. Like it would just you know the unknown is always in many instances like what creates the most anxiety, right? So yeah you're in a tough spot but like there's a there's a less unknown than someone who hadn't heard about a story like that Mm -hmm. so i'm sure that probably did help what was the were you just kind of like high on adrenaline like what was that pain level the whole time between hitting sos and getting picked up for example um it wasn't that bad i didn't i didn't think it was bad and um um yeah even the the nurses in the er were like oh what have you taken uh and i was like oh like i just had four tylenol on the mountain um and they just laughed at me they were like you know you haven't taken anything serious okay we're gonna give you something serious and uh um but that whole the only the painful thing was getting back up to camp. That was the the painful thing kind of because every, you know, kind of step my, there's nothing rigid in, there was nothing like holding my foot still. So it was just me trying to maintain my left foot as still as possible. And every kind of, you know, moving over deadfall and rocks and stuff, it just kind of like would uh, flex a little bit. And that was painful. Um, but I usually um, try and find the humor in darker situations. I don't know if there's like something wrong with me. Um, but, you know, I was trying to crack jokes with the, with the guy that came down to help me. And he was just like not having any of it. He was like very serious, very businesslike. And I, he had asked me, uh, like how much do you weigh like thinking like about carrying me up to where he had jumped out and i said uh like oh you know i'm about 140 uh you know i'm just a stick of a runner and uh he was like oh i could carry you up this mountain and i was like yep <laughs> uh sure could and he's like are you okay with me carrying you and i made like a lord of the rings joke uh, about like there's a joke where uh the two main characters one's a dwarf and the other is a human and he's like the human goes i'm gonna have to throw you and the dwarf goes don't tell the elf 
And I said, after he said, like, are you okay with me carrying you? I said, well, don't tell the elf. And I remember his face was just like, what did you just say to me? (laughs) Just completely not, it had obviously just never seen Lord of the Rings or anything. And he was like, what, (laughs) what did you just say? And I was like, no, no, yeah, it's fine. You can carry me. Like, no, no big deal. Yeah. He probably thought you were like loopy or something. Yeah. Like yeah. not right headspace. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's kind of a bigger scene in the movie. So I was like, maybe, you know, it's Lord of the Rings. Maybe he's seen, I don't know. Um, and then in the, in the uh, ER, um, my wife said they gave me, uh, they gave me a drug to put me out. Um which, you know, the guy, the doctor was like, we're going to give you this drug. And I, you know, I have like, I have no idea what you're saying right now. Uh, and he's like, it's the drug that they gave Michael Jackson and he died. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> Don't kill me, please. And the doctor is like, okay, yeah, we're not going to kill you. Don't worry. And uh, I don't remember any of this, but my wife was there when they, they had to put my foot back into the socket, basically, or back into place. And um, she said like, after they did it or before, before they were going to do it, I was like bartering with the doctor saying like, doc, like, how long is this going to take, uh, before I'm walking again? And the doctor was like very much, you know, like, oh, we don't know yet. We don't know how serious it is. And I was like, do you think three weeks? Like, can you give me three weeks? And you know, the doctor, I guess the doctor and the nurses were all laughing. Apparently the most of the ER staff had come in to listen to me talk um, because I was saying weird stuff and funny things and, and to also see my messed up foot before they fixed it. Um, So yeah, it was kind of a, you know, I, I prefer to find humor in those darker situations, I think. So yeah. Dang man. Puts it off of the the potential of uh, you know anything serious happening. Well, I'm sure we could uh, we could chat a heck of a lot more about what happened since then. But one thing I at least wanted to highlight on is you mentioned to me in the email that the following year you went like on your first out of state hunt. You packed out a buck. You had some success. So it's just cool to me to hear that this wasn't a setback in a way, and that you're still out there and going after it but you mentioned how cathartic that was to kind of come back a year later and make that happen so just touch on that yeah for sure so um it was october 26th was my surgery Uh, so it happened october 22nd october 26th was my surgery and then december 1st was when idaho uh as we all know when idaho um uh, over the counter, uh, goes on sale. And so I'm, I think I had just started or no, I ha- I wasn't walking yet. Uh, so I was still in a boot. This is after surgery and everything. And, uh, I'm, you know, on my crutches going through the house. Uh, and I look at my wife and I was like, uh, you know, I want to, I want to go on an out of state hunt. You know, I, always dreamt about it. And, uh, I think it'll give me, you know, motivation to get back to where I was quicker. Uh, you know, and she's super supportive and all these things. And she's like, if you get the tag, do it, you know, like, why not? Um, and I was like, okay. So I ended up, uh, getting a good number in line and, and got a tag that, you know, was, a was a good unit or a high success unit, I should say, not a, not necessarily a trophy unit. And, uh, so I knew, you know, I would have a long road ahead of me if I wanted to do it the way I wanted to do it. And, um, I just kind of threw myself into getting flexible, getting in, cause I ended up getting screws and, and a plate in my ankle. And so, the flexibility wasn't there and strength and all that kind of threw myself into, you know, working out, um, getting back into being able to carry weight on my back, um, you know, loading up the sand, a sandbag, 45 pounds and all that stuff. 
Uh, and so I was in shape and ready to go, but I was still, you know, super nervous going into that, that hunt. Um, I hadn't done any backpacking, like any full day trips, um, and let alone been by myself. And I planned to be there for a week. Um, and I ended up going out and hiking back up into this country and, uh, sat up there for three days. No, no, two. I was in that area for two days. Um, and a buck, you know, walked on the hillside, got into position and, and shot it. Um, ended up, it just dropped right where it was right in the sagebrush there. And I remember, uh, walking up to it and thinking about, you know, like how far, um, I'd come from, you know, uh, like a year ago. Uh, and I kind of, I put my, I remember putting my hands on that buck and was like, you know, I did it like, this is, you know, I'm, I'm back to where I was. I'm, you know, uh, you know, ready to, ready to do anything. And so, uh, I remember cutting, (laughs) cutting the buck up and getting in my bag and, I remember I put that, the, the whole buck, I boned it out, put the meat on my back. And I remember thinking like, please ankles do not fail me now. <laughs> like, you know, and I walked, uh, walked out of there and, um, walk uh, as I'm walking out, I'm just, uh, you know, in the intense pain that uncovers you or comes over you as you're doing any kind of pack out, uh, over hills and off trail and all that. And with my trekking poles, just, you know, s- slowly one step at a time, you know, just trying to get, uh, make sure I'm comfortable. And, uh, my ankle was killing me after it because <laughs> I was the most weight I'd carried, um, and made it back to the car, set the, the backpack down, in the in the trunk and sat there and i remember looking up at the the mountains around idaho and was like you know i'm back i can do this and and it was uh uh, i've never i haven't had any fear uh, of the mountains since then i I, well i should say i have a healthy respect (laughs) but i have no no fear uh of uh being injured again that's so cool man super cool you sound like you're, you know, not only have experience and some confidence, but pretty dialed. You had the inReach, which was obviously uh, very important here. But I'm curious, like, did that experience make you change or consider anything else? Like, did you change first aid kit? Did you change boots? Like you mentioned, you were wearing some heavier <laughs> boots that caused you to potentially not have as much ground feel and stumble. So I'm just curious, yeah. anything that like kind of practically changed or came out of this experience for you? Uh, two things. Uh, one thing is the boots, <laughs> you know, I had, uh, some heavier mountain, you know, the, the traditional mountain boots. And I originally had thought, you know, Steve always talks about how, um, and, and you do too about the lighter boots and, and how making your feet move is better. Um, and I've fully bought into that. And now I'm slowly amassing boots, trying to find a set that works. Uh, so definitely change that. And uh, the second thing uh, is uh, hydration and food. So I was on day six uh, and I had not been taking care of myself like I sh- know I should have been. Uh, I was dehydrated and I, and my, uh, you know, I'd been skipping meals, um, just because you, you know how it is. Like when you're back there, it's like, you're just go, go, go. And you don't, you don't think about anything. Um, and so, uh, especially not wanting to eat, you know, long day, you don't, you get back to the tent and it's like, I do not want to eat right now. You know, I don't want to choke down this, uh, freeze dried meal. Um, and now I, take uh some supplements up into the mountains like magnesium and well 
I truly believe that if I had been hydrated and I had been recovering the way I should have been, I probably wouldn't have broken my ankle. I probably would have just rolled off that rock and, and things would have bent instead of broken. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now, you know, I'm, I try and drink as much water as possible. I get to a river crossing and I try and drink at least half a water bottle and refill, uh, like half an algae. Uh, I take uh, zinc and magnesium supplements, uh, trying to, uh, magnesium is a, a muscle relaxant, which helps with cramps and then zinc, uh, uh, helps with, uh, cell recovery. So I try and take those to kind of stay on top of, uh, you know, flexibility and, hopefully help with uh, recovery. Uh, and then I, I also take a D vitamin D as well. Um, and, you know, since then, uh, just making sure those are the, you know, water taking those supplements, uh, and lighter boots. And those are the, those are the things that changed. Yeah. Cool. Practical takeaways, man. Well, thanks for sharing the story and the experience. It's, uh, you know, I look at, I think, the same value that you got out of hearing someone else's experience and both encouraging you to have an unreach, but also giving you some information on like, if I ever have to use this thing, like here's an idea of what I can expect. And I know that this, you know, this conversation and sharing this again, will do that for some other folks, hopefully that don't have to go through the experience, but <laughs> um, yeah, it's just valuable to, to put out there. So thanks for sharing it, man. No problem. 100%. I hope, uh, hope there's a massive increase in uh in reach sales so it's uh it's definitely worth it i knew we should have worked out that commission (laughs) well there you have it guys i hope you never have to hit sos but i hope if you do find yourself in a situation where you need to be rescued or you need to have assistance i hope you do have a device or a way of getting that help so again, we don't, <laughs> we don't say this to sell anything. We don't want to be overly dramatic, but we would also encourage all of you, especially if you hunt the backcountry, to have a Garmin in reach or something similar because things can happen at unexpected times in unexpected places and in unexpected ways. As always, appreciate you guys tuning in. If you haven't yet, hit subscribe or follow button in the podcast app that you're using now so that you receive future episodes automatically. And if you want to get in touch with us, just send an email to podcast at exomountaingear.com. Or if you have a specific question that you would like us to answer on the show, then look for the link in the show description that says leave us a message. Appreciate you guys doing that. We'll talk to you soon.